Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Howdy and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today's December 11th, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Clark. Thanks for coming back for another listen, another episode. Um, your reviews and ratings mean a ton to me. I've been seeing the ratings come through in a few of the reviews. Cool. You guys and gals rock. I really appreciate it. Continue to spread the word and the love. Um, today on the show, we have Sam Ubel with Chase Nation. Join us for the live listener call-in. We did field one call all the way over from the East Coast uh, from a gentleman named Mark. And uh, we talked today, um, Sam and I, about filming your own hunts and what that looks like. And it's super granular, very in-depth, very tactical and practical uh, approaches as to why one would get into filming their hunt. And if you know your why, um, how you actually go about that and what type of equipment you'd pick some very specific camera equipment, um, camera types, camera models, editing software, uh, microphones, etc. the whole gambit. So super, super fun episode with Sam. Great guy to have on. This is, I think is his third time being on the Where to Hunt podcast. Um, great hunter. He's done some filming with some of the big guys out there, uh, Whitetail Adrenaline, um, Wisconsin Whitetail Pursuits, and also currently and actively with Chase Nation, which can be found on Carbon TV. Now, if you happen to be listening to this episode tonight, this evening, on the 11th, I believe Legendary Whitetails is running their 20% off everything special. It sounds like today is the last day to do that. So uh, if you want to get a cool vest or a flannel or a hat or some hunting gear, uh, now's your chance. Or if you want to gift something, that'd be a great idea too. I know plenty of my buddies that could uh, use some flannels and some vests. I know they offer more than that, but those are the products that I'm drawn to specifically and would love to be giving as gifts or receiving as gifts. <coughs> anybody, <coughs> anybody listening to this? 20% off. Um, all right. So anyways, let's get into the show. Cool. So, hey, everybody, we are live. This is Eric Clark with the Where to Hunt podcast. And on today's show with me, we got Sam Ubel with Chase Nation. Sam, how's it going, buddy? It's going really good, man. I'm, I'm glad to be back on the phone with you. It's been a bit. It has been a bit, but like you've been busy, I've been busy, and uh, you've been doing a lot of exciting things. And you've got a, you got a family, a couple little ones, too. So it's hard to juggle all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're both doing that now, right? I mean, you got your little one and both going through uh, new home purchases and selling our old ones. And <laughs> yeah, what, right into the holidays. Too. What, the hell are we, what the hell are we thinking, man? Who are we getting our advice from? <laughs> no doubt. It, it's, a, it's a weird time of the year to be selling your house. Uh, Christmas time is, is definitely not ideal. But, uh, you know, you can't, you can't always pick your, uh, 
your times for, for things like this. Just like you said, I mean, you weren't house shopping. You just happened to come in, come across something that you couldn't say no to. Kind of same thing for us. Exa- yeah. So when you do that, yeah, it's love, right? Like you can't predict love. <laughs> love for a house. That's funny. Well, by the um, way, we, well, so- just, we just opened oh, new beers on. here. So <laughs> we're, we're not three sheets yet. <laughs> No, I got coffee, dude, because I was up till 2 o'clock in the morning prepping our current house for a listing. So I'll switch to beer, but i got to get through this coffee first. Maybe I'll grab a beer sooner than later. But So anyway, do we got people tuning in? That's great. We'll, we'll pay attention for live calls coming through. I'll bring them in as you guys call into the show and gals. Really, though, um, wanted to have a discussion about DIY, if you could call it that. You know, do your – wait, wait, DIY, do your own – what is wrong with my brain? Do it yourself. Do it yourself. Dude, I had a total mental block. That was the weirdest thing. I couldn't control what was happening. Um, but filming your hunts, I, I tried to get into it a long time ago just because I wanted to capture nature and its purest form. And I learned pretty quickly that, A, it's expensive. Uh, there's a lot of logistics, batteries, camera equipment, water, et cetera. Um, and then the whole, like, actually capturing your hunt. But you've been at it for a while um, for a couple of different people, including yourself. So I wanted to let you kind of run with that for a moment. And then if calls start coming in about questions, we'll take them. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I've been filming my hunts since before, uh, before prosumer cameras were really available. I mean, there's always been prosumer cameras and, but, but really for me, it started back when I was holding like a, you know, little handheld, low quality, um, you know, four inch digital camera that had terrible audio, uh, and super grainy. I don't even know if that was seven twenty or or four twenty or what what that was, but it, it was awful quality, but I mean it was video and it was only a couple hundred bucks and um we would film just about everything and every year at the end of the year, uh I would take all the footage that I captured, you know, hooking up with my buddies and, you know, going on hunts and fishing trips. And then I would, I would use like, I, I don't even remember what it was called to be honest with you. It was some windows software and it was free. It was part of the windows suite and, uh, on, on Microsoft. And I would, uh, edit all the footage just, and when I say edit, I don't mean like production quality, like I'm doing now. It was, it was straight up watch a clip and then figure out where I wanted to start and end that clip. And then I wouldn't even build a transition into the next clip or marry up audio or anything or do any balancing. I would just cut clips and then meld them all together, burn it onto a DVD and then give everybody a DVD for Christmas. And it was super fun, you know, because we would get together and we'd, we'd all on the big screen, you know, watch the year captured on film and it would be like a 30 minute video or DVD, and, uh, man, that was neat. Well, that's where it started for me, and then ever since then, uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, to get in more into a professional environment. I was able to film for a couple of seasons with uh, Jared Scheffler and Whitetail Adrenaline. Um, I filmed with Wisconsin Whitetail Pursuit for a couple of seasons, and then uh, recently, um, in the last couple of years here, actually starting in the end of December of 2016, um, started chase nation and uh chase nation is a um hunting show fishing show all basic outdoors we're unscripted adventure 
and we we literally have got a team of guys and gals, and we capture everything we do on outside on film, and uh, guys send it in, and we produce episodes and short clips and share it for the world to see free of charge, just for the pure enjoyment of it. The concept of that, like, how do you? Okay, so we can talk about that. We'll get into some of the like some of the you know granular details of film and hunt, but I want to take a moment to talk about that because like you're almost building like an ecosystem. You you have people planted around the country that are feeding you content that you're then producing and putting back out um, for those same people to see it as you've edited and touched up and made it, you know, beautiful or whatever. And then for free and then putting it back out into the world. And then that's just kind of, it's like a circle, man. That's the orchestration of that is pretty eloquent how you've done it. Uh, I see the success of it, man. And I think it's just great. Like it's, baffling i'm like how is he doing this he's just one guy and then i'm like well no this is it's coming from everywhere so it's super cool yeah no and and it and and you know i should mention you know uh a friend of mine brad he he's helped do some of the production work um i i think i do probably the meat of it but he's definitely handled um putting together quite a few I, i mean more than a few i would say you know i think we've done what do we do? We did 27, 27 featured episodes. Um, by featured episode, I mean we were able to tell a full story that was like eight to eight to twenty minutes long, anywhere from eight minutes long to say twenty minutes long, um, in season one throughout the 2017 season. And then we're at we've done 19 episodes so far in season two. Um, so yeah, I mean we're 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 over 50 episodes. We're at like 53 episodes so far. Holy shit! Um, and yeah, I'd say I'd say Brad's done at least a third of those. And so I've had help there, um, but the guys are are awesome. I mean, these guys are super dedicated to the cameras. It, it costs them opportunities for sure, um, but you know they they capture what they can, and I always tell them. You know, you hit record, and you film as much as you can. And we can always cut stuff out, but we can never build stuff back in. And part of being unscripted, and I mean it when I say we are unscripted, um, we never, ever refilm a scenario. We never stop a guy and say, hey, do this, and the guy, you know, acts out a scene we we don't shoot a deer and then go back and then film the guy drawing his bow back. If you ever see one of us drawing our bow back, it's because we have a second or a third camera angle that's capturing that. But everything is for sure how it happened, um, the good and the bad. And these guys these guys do an extra extra good job at that, and they put them on thumb drives or external hard drives um, and mail them to me. You know, they'll either send me a package with it, and they'll typically put a return address on it so I know where to send it back to them. I mean, these are the same guys I've known since, you know, several years ago. I, I should know all their addresses by heart, but it's very helpful for me to keep track of whose hard drives whose. And then they also, we use WeTransfer. It's a free, um, oh, yeah. you know, upload yep. your video clips and then transfer files. That's really quick and easy. And then I've got a business Dropbox account. Um, you know, so the guys can always use that, but that's a little bit slower. So if you, if you're using, if you're uploading like a MOV file extension, it's really slow because that's like a full 
Like there's no compression. I don't even know if compressed is the right word, but if you try uploading a MOV file to Dropbox, it's extra slow versus an MP4, uh, which uploads quite a, quite a bit faster. Um, so, uh, but either way, those are the four ways that we, we get filmed to one another. Or, you know, if I'm with a guy, like my buddy Dave Beckdell, he's filmed with me a ton this last season, and it's like we have the same camera uh, every time we get done. Um, he'll just give me his card and I'll take it home with me and, you know, I'll rip it off onto my hard drive and then I'll bring it back and drop it off on my way to work or next time I see him, you know, because a lot of the guys are local to, to our, you know, the tri-county area in southeastern Wisconsin, you know, okay. Jefferson County, Waukesha County, and in Washington County. So everybody's pretty close. We, I mean, we've got guys in, ten, we've got Doc Tucker down in Tennessee and Chattanooga and uh, you know, we've got um, some guys that are a little bit further north, and uh, you know, but but in but 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 for the most part, most of the meat of the guys here are pretty close by, and we see each other frequently enough to shake hands and drink a beer and exchange hard drives once in a while. You know, that's funny. You talk about that like well, it's not funny, but whatever. It's interesting in that I wouldn't have considered like the logistics of even like exchanging files and you've got it all covered like well they can mail them they can do we transfer they can do google dropbox google drive we live in an era where there's no excuses for like not that people would make them but like you can just create and there's there's not a lot of hurdles in your way these days for you to accomplish these things like you said from back in the day when you're doing and just putting on dvds versus what you're doing now it's the same concept it's just technology is taking a little bit further with it it's pretty freaking awesome yeah, I would say, um, you know, and it's not like it all comes at once, you know. So, for instance, right. um, Tyler Brooks, he spent um, the better half of, say, three weeks in western Wisconsin on a new piece of ground that he just picked up uh, a lease on. And, in fact, he's the next – He's he is um, on the same road as me where I've got a lease over there. He is the next holler over. So, I mean, we're we're we're, you know – just about 800 yards apart our two leases which is ironic that that worked out that way um but he spent a better half of three weeks uh living out of a camper and then he'd drive to town and i don't know if he was going to a gym or where he was showering he said or a truck stop i think he was going to a truck stop in town and he was showering <laughs> every every couple days but i mean he was basically living off the grid i mean he's He's not completely off the grid, but you know what I mean. He's roughing it. He's he's yeah, dude. That's that's himself. a little bit more hardcore than most. So he's there to hunt, right? And he's and he's putting this story together, and he's filming the grind, and it's just getting down to the wire. And I bump into him over opening weekend of gun season, and I bump into him at the tavern. And he just comes up behind me. He's like Sam, and I I was surprised to see him, by the way. And I didn't have cell reception. Little did I know he had texted me that he was going to be at this certain tavern. Well, it's just by chance that we ended up at this tavern because I had no idea that he texted me or that he was even in the neighborhood. And anyway, so there we are, and he's telling me a story. He tells me he's got a plan, and uh, he's going to film it. In the next two days, he's going to smoke one. And the second day, I'm back home by this point. I get a message uh, from him with a quick, uh, you know, video clip, you know, via text that he, he just used his phone to, to take a quick video from his, uh, camcorder screen. 
but it's of this big buck that he shoots. This beautiful deer. Everything happened as planned, and he captured it so perfectly. Uh, and then he mailed me his uh, two hard drives worth of uh, data, or two thumb drives, sorry, not hard drives. And so oh my, my point is, is that, you know, it, it comes and it goes. It, when a guy kills a deer and he gets everything on film, when he's wrapped everything up, he'll send me the footage. And so it's kind of a rotation. It's not like all at once. You know what I mean? And then uh, I'll really, I'll just spend time producing. Like I'll put my kids to bed at, say, you know, 8 o'clock or 8.30. And then, you know, my wife and I will have a glass of wine or a beer or something. And she'll go up to bed. I'll tuck her in. I'll lay there with her for a bit. And then when I can tell her breathing gets heavy and she's starting to get tired, or fall asleep, then I'll, you know, kind of roll out of bed, go downstairs, and I'll get behind the the, the computer there, and I'll edit until, you know, between, say, 11, 10 or 11 at night until 2 in the morning, go to bed, wake up, go to work, and do the whole thing over again for about three or four days until I got that story finished, and then we've got a full episode. So that's kind of how it comes to life. So when everyone's watching, whoever's listening right now, whoever ends up hearing this, when you watch something from Chase Nation, just know that you're there's some real freaking sleep deprivation and sweat that went into that thing. Yeah, so if something's not perfect, first so of all, not perfect. We're okay with that. <laughs> we, we don't care if it ain't perfect. We we try. We try to do as good of a job as we can, but we know we're not perfect and 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 it's probably cuz we're getting dep- I'm 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 not sleeping much during that time. So Yeah, you're getting like if double you vision, you're weird. like, man, yeah, keyboard shortcut yeah, broke yeah, this yeah. or whatever, you know. So, okay, yeah. let's let's go to the filming side of it because you mentioned something a little bit ago about, you know, hey, we don't do – so when you said unscripted, like, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm, I'm naive, dude. I don't, I don't know what I don't know. So I think, like, people would be saying things scripted, but in reality what you're saying is, like, we're not going to go back and do someone drawing their bow back and get this clip in, cut it into the right spot. Okay, that makes more sense to me when you say it that, that way. But, you know, you mentioned – some of your guys are running, you know, multiple cameras, two, three, maybe four cameras to get all of those shots. That's freaking awesome. Now, that's a lot of footage, though, because if you're running all of those cameras, right? Holy crap. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it, it is a royal pain. In the, you know what? I mean, you're carrying all these cameras. Plus, you've got your camera, your your tree arms, right? That's so. Yep. <laughs> So the the base the typical setup here is you go in with you know you got your lone wolf or your XLP or whatever you got your stand and sticks on your back, then you've got a satchel basically camera bag over your shoulder which with a stand and sticks on your back typically what I'll do is I'll try to uh, you know I'll try to put my camera if I think of it in time I'll put my camera bag on first. So the sling is underneath the stand. Otherwise, I'll just hook it up to the exterior of the stand um, for carrying purposes. But uh, will you're carrying your camera, your main camera, and then you know hopefully you got enough pockets in there for say a GoPro or your tech cams or you know sometimes like I know Steve and a few of the other guys um, film with uh, you know professional. Well, I don't know if you call it a professional. It's it's more of a prosumer, um, a prosumer camcorder. Uh, so you've got your main camcorder and then a DSLR, and then you've got a GoPro. So you've got three different cameras, and they're maybe in two different camera bags, and they're all stacked. Then you've got all your camera uh, tree arms, say two or three of them, depending on what you're carrying out there. It's a load. And then you've got your Dude. bow, 
You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, hey, I'm going to – we got a caller, actually, Go so I'm going to bring them in and see if their questions are aligned with what we're talking about. We'll pick that back up if, if it's not. So we got Mark. Um, hey, Mark, you're hey, how's on the it, Warhol Show. It, yeah, how you doing, Eric? Good. Thank, thanks for calling in. You got Sam and I on the line, so – we're talking about uh, DIY. We're not DIY. <laughs> uh, filming your hunt. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that's something that Ethan and I are going to try to get into. Uh, Trevor and the boys, uh, D Rock and Ryan, told me to give you a ring, and uh, I'm the one that does the uh, custom game calls for them and the uh, send eliminator and stuff like that. Oh, rock on, man! Well, thanks for calling. Off to tell those guys, thanks for making you call me. You didn't have to do that. I appreciate it. No, no, it's great. Like I said, uh, the the more we can get the names out there and the stuff that we do, and you know, we're all in it together. It's all about you know promoting hunting and <clears throat> keeping it going. I can, man. Well, so have you have you ever had any experience doing uh, self filmed hunts or filming your hunt at all? We Trevor filmed Ethan's hunt this year um, with one of his. It's one of the first times that they've been able to film with his camera, and it actually came in handy because we were kind of like, oh, you were you shot low. You know, and oh, you're behind that deer. And then Trevor was able to actually slow down that footage from his camera to show his lighted knock go right through the kill zone. And if you're watching it on the film without slowing it down, it's like, geez, it doesn't look like a good shot. You know, we're going to track this forever. So after that, we pretty much have gotten to the point where we're all going to start carrying cameras and filming these hunts and uh, do it that way. It's going to be a lot more fun um, filming the hunts because he's got a GoPro and we're going to start bringing that with us and, uh, we've just set up a coyote shack, so we're obviously we have ATN scopes that have the capability of filming while you're doing the whole deed. That's a Sam. That's a great point. Once you say knowing uh, kind of where your shot was placed, if you're shooting with a especially a luminoc or something to that effect with a with a bow. Oh man, that's a that's like a huge huge deal for us. I can't tell you how often um, we replay footage on misses just to be absolutely certain that we missed um uh, or when we hit a deer you know we'll always review the footage and see where we exactly hit them um in fact if you watch back on the last episode i did on season of woes i missed that that big you know mid 150s to 160 class animal i i missed that deer twice in two minutes and the second shot uh he was a little further out and it was snowing so hard and i was down to you know only so many arrows after a long season in the the arrow I slung at him didn't have a nocturnal on it. So uh, I had a white knock, but with pink fletching or pink veins. And so it was really, really hard to track without, you know, illuminated knock. Um, and I wasn't certain that I missed him the way he reacted. But, you know, I, I watched it like three times in the, in the stand and I was like, yeah, I missed. I eventually came to the conclusion I missed and, uh, and then I ended up shooting another one later on. And uh, if I didn't have a camera running with me, I would have been out of my stand out there looking around, you know, trying to find blood. And I probably would have ruined and kiboshed that whole morning hunt if I didn't have a camera running. That's crazy. That's a, that's a benefit I have seen play out when I watch a lot of the shows like your stuff and the hunting public and White Chill Adrenaline. Well, they'll actually, you know, film the film of them filming <laughs> and and i was i always like to see because you get immediate feedback right away like you said now you know you're not gonna be out there putts around looking for this deer that you didn't hit kicking up anything else that you might have had a shot at that's a pretty big advantage um mark have you had any any other 
I don't know, um, woes of, of filming? Like, have you dropped or broken any equipment or lost anything or got it damaged? Oh, I, I haven't yet. No, no. I mean, most of the time, because I'm old school, I studded back when, you know, camcorders first came out. So <laughs> they were big and bulky. But <clears throat> the small stuff now that with technology, there's really no reason not to bring it with you. There, there really isn't. I mean, the GoPros have come way down in price. Uh, the camera that uh, e, uh, Trevor has on his bow, again, they're not that expensive. Uh, it does take that extra second to push that button to make sure that you're recording <clears throat> so that you can see what's happened. Um, but I, I think next year for sure I'll definitely have one mounted on my bow. And we have rifle season up here for deer as well, which I do. I think it's going to be the same way, bring a camera with me so that you can actually film the hunt. I mean, it's one thing to have the memory and tell people. Um, when I was down hunting with the boys in Connecticut, I wish I'd had one when I missed, you know, a buck of a lifetime with a bow. I mean, I, he was only, I don't know, eight yards from me. And the cam rested on the rail that holds you in the stand, so the bow just came apart, basically, and the deer just walked off. So it would have been great to see that over and over again and kind of laugh about it, you know, that you know, that, that stuff or happened. Cry. But with no camera, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cry. They, they, they tease me enough about it, but... Um, no, it definitely would be, uh, it's almost one of those things where, you know, as technology increases, you're foolish not to, it's so cheap and it's just one more added thing like lighted knocks. I didn't think about those. I was like, that, ah, you know, you don't need them. And after seeing that footage, it was a guarantee that was a kill shot. Why that deer kept going, you know, 400 yards is just cause he's a tough little bugger. Um, it just put us onto him that that was a definite good shot. And when we got to the deer, we realized it was a very good shot. Uh, but without seeing that footage. It's all just guesswork. You know, you get to see an arrow fly for a tenth of a second, and you have to make up your mind. Yeah. That's wild, man. But thanks for the call. I appreciate you bringing, bringing some value into the show. Oh, absolutely. Wish, uh, absolutely. What was, the, what was the name of, like you said, the calls? What is it, the, the call company that you have? It's Nor'easter Game Calls. Nor, N-O-R, Easter? Yep. Yep, just like cool. the Nor'easter Storm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. They're the ones that, <clears throat> with the CT bow hunting and, like I said, with the East Coast bow hunting, we're doing that Bloodline series of the grunt calls for the deer hunters. It's going to be a limited edition. It's Cactus with the Red Blood. Sounds awesome, man. That's super cool. Well, thanks for calling in. We'll nope. we'll, uh, we'll keep rolling absolutely. here. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. This will be aired tonight, so feel free to share. All right. I appreciate it. All right. You have a good one. All right. Thanks, Eric. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. So that's pretty fascinating. Um, that works in both ways, where you have affirmation or <laughs> that you missed or confirmation that you that you hit. I didn't. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But I don't know that I would definitely. I, I, in fact, I don't know that I would uh, rely on GoPros or any POV type camera uh, for that. I mean, yeah. Here's the deal. Um, okay. So POVs are good in the sense that uh, they're lightweight, they're small, they're easy, they're super easy to carry with you, they're super easy to turn on. Those are all positive things, right? And they shoot really cool stuff. Um, the the newer GoPros are phenomenal too. And never mind the concept that GoPros have fisheye lens. There's a you you have an option to turn the fisheye off. Okay. Sure. So that's sure. good. Um, and you can always use editing software to, to zoom in. But when it comes to actually, like, seeing if you hit that deer or not uh, with a POV camera, um, unless you've got really good eyes, 
you're going to be squinting really hard in the field to see that, uh, even with a illuminated knock. Uh, not all situations are the same. So, of course, there's going to be cir- circumstances where, you know, you shoot a deer, uh, you got a bright pink or blue, uh, you know, illuminated knock, and it's very evident that it went into the deer. But if it's that easy to tell, you know, you'd think that maybe you would have been able to see it to the naked eye. Um, so in most instances where we're actually looking back to see if we hit the deer or not, it's a less than ideal situation. We felt comfortable with the shot, but, you know, obviously something interfered with our line of sight, and we need to, you know, immediately go back and just see how that hit was. Um, otherwise, you're going home and you're putting it up on the big screen to find out. Um, yeah. You know, the other the other thing is uh, um, I don't know that necessarily – I think a good conversation piece, by the way, that the gentleman that just called in was uh, talking about. I don't know if he knew he was kind of going down this direction or not, but the idea of, uh, you know, carrying – I was just talking about it when he called in. Carrying all that gear into the woods, that's a lot, and it hinders you. It definitely does. Now, of course, if you're just carrying a POV camera, it's no big deal. But if you're carrying equipment in there, like a tree arm or two or three, and cameras, uh, you know, that's heavy, it's bulky, uh, it can be noisy if you're not careful, even if it's just rubbing against you or if you are if you got bulk outside of your, your body, like a, a camera bag, which naturally has, like, a material that's, that's going to probably scratch and be pulled and tugged on by, by brush, uh, you know, that's all a hindrance. Um, and at the end of the season, after a long grind, unless you get it done in the first couple of hunts, you know, you kind of get sick of it. And you got to, how do you get it up the tree? Then you got to climb the tree. You got all this baggage on you, right? And then you got to set it up before you pull the bow, the bow up. And then, by the way, when it's up in the tree, and I know I'm painting this horrible picture. It's like, why would you no, but film? It's, right, that's good to, you know, to give but, people a dose of reality so they're not out there wasting their money, you know, dicking around and maybe being unsafe or, or whatever. Like, it's good to paint a picture of reality. I, I think that it's important. I think the first question that that somebody should be asking when they if, – if you haven't been in the game yet and you haven't been filming your hunts but you're thinking about getting into it, the first question you need to ask yourself is, why am I getting into filming? Why why do I have interest in doing this? What am I going to do with the film? And it, it sounds like three different questions, and it is, but in all fairness, the point is, is why do you want to do it? Because if you want to do it for personal, like just to watch back and see if you hit a deer, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, then, you know, it might be more work than it's worth. Just focus your energy on witnessing what's deer. happening and hope for the best. But if you want to that's, share that's it with the, the world to see, yeah. yeah, then, you know, that's a whole other thing. And then you got to think about production. you got to produce that. you got to edit and produce that film. Now, then, then the other piece is do you want to share it with your friends and family. I've got a couple personal buddies I've been friends with since we were small, and they shoot a lot of deer, bigger deer than, you know, I do. Uh, and they film half of them. But I... I don't have any of their footage, and they don't share it with anybody other than their, you know, immediate family or me when I come over. They'll throw it up on screens unedited. It's just, you know, random clips and a hard drive. Uh, but that that's all they wanted to do with it. That's more hobbyist. So you got to understand, like, you, you have to tell yourself you're doing it for one reason or another and then determine if it's worth it. I'm just letting you know, yeah, like you said, the reality is, 
it, it's a hindrance for sure. But I'll tell you what, man, uh, it's cost me, it's, it's definitely cost me more opportunities than I'm willing to admit to. And that's probably because I don't even know if I could count all the times I've either, I, I've screwed up on, on, on big bucks because I was messing around with the camera. I mean, just look at last season, for example. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, but, but it also sure means the world to me when I capture it on film and I capture it well, because I'm able to tell my story and share it with anybody that's willing to watch. And, and to me, that means a great deal and it's worth it to me. That's a passion of mine. And if I leave my camera in the truck because I'm mad at it, uh, I feel naked in the stand. That's just the truth. You, but you are, your why is interesting because you happen to be, um, I don't, maybe this is natural. I'm not sure if it is or not, but whether it's natural or something you've worked towards, I'm sure you have regardless, but you are a phenomenal storyteller. You know, I've witnessed you speak publicly um, and tell stories, and that's what it was, was a story that you were sharing. I've watched your stories on, on Chase Nation. I've read some of the articles you published. Like, you're a good storyteller. And so I feel like uh, someone like yourself who has a story to tell, you get a camera in your hand, um, that's awesome. You know, there's these other, there's another style out there. Clearly, the hunting public's doing a great job of it. They're documenting, right? They're just documenting their hunts. Um, there's a story there too, but they're, they're, it's clearly a different approach. Like I, when I watch your stuff, I get a sense of there's a real cinematic kind of approach that kind of starts to emerge, and you kind of build this. I don't know. A, a, you kind of build up and like kind of lead me into okay, now I want to see more. Um, and and inside of all that, you get some of the tactical things and, and stuff like that, but you are a great storyteller. And so thinking about maybe, no, man, but like it, it shows that it can't be unsaid. I'm sure everyone listening and watching, um, hopefully if they've seen your stuff, they feel the same way. If they haven't, they, hopefully that's some, some advice for them or some a spark from them to go check you out or whatever. But those are two things that I would consider, like for me, when I was looking at getting into, that was more about like the documentation of it. Um, I thought about like, man, it'd be cool to document the the how to's of hunting and things like that for like you know my children when they get older when they get older and they could start to kind of see how you do things and if they get really excited I could see them being really invested in watching that stuff or maybe not maybe that's just a, a vision that is a pie in the sky but um, but having a good why makes a lot of sense otherwise you know whatever you're just doing it you're gonna burn out I definitely feel passionate about the storytelling piece if if i'm not telling a story then i'm not doing it for the, the reasons that allure me in the first place i um i mean i love those guys from the hunting public aaron and zach are great dudes i, I mean i talked to i talked to zach you know probably every oh, God, every that, month a couple of times yeah you gotta have some time to talk to him but he is a great dude man he's a great dude super cool guy and and i love what they're doing um you know, but what they're doing and what I'm doing is totally different. We we don't even yep. we're not even you know in the same uh, category as far as, we're not competition to each other at all. We just complement one another. These guys tell a phenomenal story in a very quick amount of time. And my my what I mean is they first of all they full time hunt and film, and what they're what they're doing is is they're basically video logging uh, their season. I mean that's what that's what it is, yep. right? You, yep. you got to kick out as many episodes as you can in a season to keep viewers interested 
and people can follow along. And that's super entertaining because, and I find myself always looking forward to the next episode because I want to know time, yeah. how, how close. It's like semi-live. You know, you're kind of like, well, you know, what are they going to do next? Or what, what are they, did they kill one yet? Or did they kill one in this next? You know, it's, it's exciting that way. That's different than, than what I do uh, with Chase Nation. I can't, I don't have the time to, to dedicate because I've got a full-time job, parental duties and, you know, I'm a husband and blah, blah, blah. Um, so for me, it's not, that's not the reason, right? That That's, those are, those are um, definitely things that would prevent me from having the time to, to do that, even if I wanted to, but that's not what I want to do. I mean, I, I really just want to capture a season in 15 or 20 minutes and, you know, demonstrate it behind the lens and keep somebody that's interested in watching totally consuming everything that they see, unwilling to turn away, wants to hear every last thing. So, you know, I'm focusing when I'm editing, I'm I'm focusing on my audio a ton. I focus so much on transition. Um, you know, if I ever put background music in, you know, you're you're not trying to make a music video, but you're very keen on the beat. Um, and the emotion too, know, like what are you trying to what are you trying to evoke from the viewer? What what is how does this play into your story? What were you feeling when that happened, and how can you find the? You've got you've to keep that camera rolling so you capture all of that stuff the, naturally, the way it happened. That's unscripted, my friend. You know, I mean, I remember last year we were at Hazel Fest. My our buddy uh, Matt Hazel, part of Chase Nation, he has everybody over. Last year was the first year. We're gonna do it again this year in January. And if you got doe tags, you know, go doe hunting. Or if you got buck tags, he lets you hunt on a few of his different farms um, to try to to try to fill your tag. And we're all carrying cameras. We're all we're all Chase Nation. And what's so funny is like Brad. I think about Brad uh, last year. Uh, he and Ben Ernster they go uh, on Matt's home farm and they walked out of the house and they went like 400 yards um, to the west and. Uh, there's this ditch, a drainage ditch, you know, and usually farms have drainage ditches. So when it rains heavy or whatever, snow melts, it, you know, goes into the ditch and then filters out somewhere. Well, it was iced over and he's sneaking into his position, but he has to cross this Creek and there's this little bit of snow on top of that ice. And his first step he takes and he's going so sneaky, you know, with his bow. I mean, he went ass over tea kettle and landed right on his back. And that was hilarious. And you bet your butt, man, we use that footage because that's all part of the damn story. You know what I mean? Like, that's legit. Yeah, There's no making that stuff up. <laughs> Freaking great. Um, what's the probably, well, so to that same point, what's the, uh, what do you think the coolest or funniest or dumbest thing you've got on film was other than that? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I've caught myself doing a lot of dumb things like, you publish that too? <laughs> oh God, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you missing, have to, right? Missing is one thing. You know, missing happens, and missing is embarrassing. Nobody wants to miss a deer on film. That sucks. But if you're not showing that, uh, then you know, uh, well, I don't know. Then you're making stuff What's up. Everything else in a question, then, right? Oh man. Well, you never know. I mean, some some of these. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, but. Yeah, we yeah. definitely don't fake any of that stuff, and we want to show it because we want to we want to appeal to the ordinary fella that's out there that can totally relate. Um, as much as it sucks, look at last year. 
I mean, that giant, that giant eight-pointer with that big four-inch kicker off his G2, super heavy, super wide, comes in on me at 12 yards, and I see him coming. I'm sitting there getting the camera ready, and uh, I realize that my gain is turned up too high, and I'm on manual settings, so I'm sitting there fidgeting with it. It's super bright. It's only 8 in the morning, but it's really sunny. Uh, This is November. So I'm trying to adjust the dial there and uh, realize I'm running out of time. So I start turning to grab my bow, which is, by the way, uh, in this particular gnarly tree I was in, was on the opposite side as my camera. See, ideally you want to have your camera on the same side of the tree as your bow so it's all one fluid motion. Oh, sure, Um, yeah. Stuff I wouldn't think about. Yeah, but I couldn't do that in this scenario. So I had to turn around. When I started turning to grab my bow, he caught my – my movement and he bounded out to 35 yards and he was deeply quartering away. And then, you know, I was thinking about the bread basket rather than the opposite shoulder. Cause it's all in the second and you're feeling rushed. And I shot him right where I was aiming, uh, right in the pocket. But when you're, you know, steep quartering away like that, uh, it just, it just was muscle in front of the shoulder, you know, and it probably hit that shoulder bone and then slid. I only got six inches of penetration, which typically would be enough to kill a deer if it was broadside you know, into the Boilermaker, but, but this deer wasn't. So, uh, you know, so when uh, that was just a gnarly story and, and one that was pretty embarrassing to me and also something that I was really, I felt so pitiful about. Um, uh, so, I mean, that's one scenario. Another scenario was like Brad falling on his ass. Um, there was some video of me uh, trying to kick a brush pile uh, for rabbits and I fell up to my shoulders. I've got a video of uh, my buddy Joe um, when we were out in the Kettle Moraines, Northern Kettle Moraines, and we were pushing these swamps, these these, these swamps out for rabbits, and he stepped on a snowdrift, and you know caught him going all the way down, basically to his chin in snow. I mean, there was a crater there, and I don't know what purpose that was, but he went down. I mean, it was snow piled up on top of brush, so it ain't like the snow was six feet tall it's just that the snow had piled up pretty high probably two feet and it was on top of a brush pile and he walked up on it and he fell right through and then he was stuck with his gun up in the air uh like hey man give me a hand you know like that's hilarious and so we've captured some really funny stuff like that you should have you ever made like a a blooper reel or whatever you want to call it like just a bunch of clips tied together of that dumb kind of stuff or just you know snooping and pooping and smoking and joking and just whatever I've thought about it, man. I was thinking about uh, compiling a bunch of footage of Matt Hosel. If you just spend you just, yeah. <laughs> spend 10 minutes with this guy and keep the camera running, you will have entertainment throughout the entire thing. And then you just you just get a bunch of those and cut them up, and then you got yourself a, a fun reel to watch. I'm, I'm thinking when's about his, compiling when's his birthday? a Matt Hosel. Huh? When's his birthday? I don't know when his birthday is. I should probably figure that out. I don't know. That. Happy birthday, buddy! I made this for you. <laughs> right, right. So well, there's someone yeah. on the comments here. Elijah said, "What about emptying out your boots while chewing on the skeeters?" Oh my God! He's talking about uh, he's talking about this past season here, uh, or this current season actually. I was hunting uh, a tamarack swamp uh, in Washington County in southeast Wisconsin. Um, and um, I told 
my buddy Dave, I said, I'm going to go into that one piece and I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can't get myself back into those Tamaracks that we had, you know, scouted back in March. Well, back in March, everything was still frozen and you could get anywhere and it looked like higher ground and the Tamaracks were growing. And I thought, man, it's going to be a money spot. Well, we had a just completely wet fall this year. And I, um, I went in there with, uh, they weren't knee highs. They were galoshes, you know, my dad had given me. They were just some cheap galoshes and didn't really uh, plan on going up to my waist in water, but I only got like 50 yards back into those cattails. And, you know, if, if you're not stepping on cattails, you're probably going to sink down to who knows how deep. Um, so let that be a lesson. I mean, I know that from years of hunting marshes with my dad. But, I mean, there's times where there just wasn't somewhere to step, and I was determined to get back there. And I had a, yep. you know, standing stand sticks on my back, had all my camera equipment, I had my bow, and I'm sitting there trying to cross this marsh to get back to these tamaracks, and I just gave up and got the hell out of there. I emptied my boots twice that hunt. I was, I had mosquitoes in my eyeballs. I had them, you know, under my tongue. I had them in my ears. I had dead ones, like, in my shirt when I got home that night. It was, oh, it was awful. And, you know, you're you're trying to capture this on film. Now, that that was, Elijah brings up a good point. That was some funny stuff, though. I, I tried to, ca- you know what else, dude? I, I filmed uh, myself falling in a river uh, this, this past season. Um, I was trying to cross a uh, a flooded creek, not a river, a creek. There used to be a little bridge, basically just a bunch of logs across it. And I tried crossing that, and I slipped right on off of it, and uh, went in up to my, I guess to my, uh, to my waist for sure, and oh, luckily had the camera high enough. Oh man! And I and I was carrying the camera, so I luckily threw that up above my head, and uh, I documented all that too, and and showed it to the world to laugh at. You know that that's funny stuff. It's it's funny uh, at the time for me. You know, I'm thinking to myself, this sucks, but. You know, then, you know, you get home. Then you look back on it. Yeah, Yeah, and then it's funny. It's not funny at first, but then it's funny later. (laughs) No, at first you're like, man, shit. Like, so I had crossed a river uh, this last, this bow season to try to, you know, get get some grunts out of buck and try to see if I can get him to, like, kind of come at me a little little bit to get a shot. And, you know, I thought I was being pretty sneaky. He must have saw me and snuck out of there, but... You know, I was going down the river. I'm like, okay, well, this is shallow enough. I can handle this. I don't have my boots on. I'm like, well, I, just for sake of time, I want to just get the heck across this thing. And I didn't want to, like, make a whole bunch of calamity of taking off my boots and rolling up my pants. All this, which I could have done. Um, I was thinking about going down infault and just going across my underwear. But, you know, again, I was just trying to make this happen. I thought it was going to be shallow enough. So then I find myself, like, walking up the middle of this thing where it's just shallow enough. And we're talking, like, every step, dude, the water was perfectly in line with you know overflowing into my boot and at some point i'm like okay this is getting ridiculous i need to just cross the stem river like it is what it is i was being a big baby about it i don't know what the hell my problem was and so i just did it right and then sure enough just whoosh, just ton of freaking water in my you know probably my left boot or whatever it was and trying to get out of that stuff if someone would have been filming that it wouldn't have been like an embarrassing thing but it'd been like it would have been funny to watch because i I don't know how long that actually took me. In my mind, it probably only felt like a minute, but it was probably like 10 or 15 of me just watching every step, you know? I'm getting, uh, like, cracker music or something. 
I'm getting some uh, text messages here. I'm reading as we're chatting away. Oh yeah, man. Um, why don't you guys talk more about what kind of cameras to buy, uh, et cetera? I think he. Yeah, we got we got cetera. 15 minutes left. We can um we can switch gears and talk a little bit about. Like I know we we hit on like GoPros and the, the POVs, like the you know the camera that can mount on your on your you know um, bow or your gun. Do you think that's a good way to start? So you're not spending a bunch of money and you kind of see how it goes, or like how would you recommend someone get into this? What type of camera? Like, are you getting a DSLR? Or are you getting one that is just like a handheld? Um, yeah. What kind of software do you use to edit that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, before you even bother getting into editing and producing. Um, I would start with the camera. I mean, make sure that filming is something that you want to do. Again, I said the first thing you need to ask yourself if you're interested in in filming your own hunt is why are you doing it? And if you decide it's because you want to share it with the public to see, um, you know, then kind of decide how you want to produce it. Do you want to just share it like in one big clip, you know, like uh, GoPro users do on YouTube? Or do you want to try to tell a bit of a story to it, or you know, how do you want to how do you want to do that? So that's the first thing you do. And then the second thing you do is you don't spend a lot of money. Period. Um, I, I think it would be foolish to go out and spend a bunch of money on a on a really really nice prosumer camera, um, you know, and and then find out after a couple of trips out that it's too bulky. You don't you're not used to it, and you don't like it, and you haven't you haven't got a a hunt, you know, a solid hunt on film yet, and all you're doing is hindering your style, you're cramping your style, and it sucks, and you just don't want to do it anymore, well, you don't want to be sitting on top of a couple grand in, in camera equipment, period. Um, so what you do is you either, yeah, you mean you can either, I, I, honestly, Eric, I wouldn't advise anybody to start filming their hunts with a GoPro. A POV camera is a POV camera. They're awesome for extra angles, and, uh, for dynamic footage, you know, you want to show, uh, I like to show different angles. I, I love that. I don't care if it's a GoPro or what, or Sony POV or if it's a tech cam or whatever it is. I really could care less as long as it's something different than, the, you know, the monotony of one, one lens on the same object the whole time. Um, but here's what I think the best thing to do. The best advice I can say is go out, spend 250 bucks, which... That, you know, that might be a price shock to some, but that's that's extremely cheap for a camera. Get yourself a Sony Handy Cam and call it a day. Don't even bother with 4K. Get yourself 1080p. Uh, typically, 1080p is better than 1080i. Um, but I don't know if uh, most people would actually be able to recognize the difference. And um, and go out and film and, and see what you think. And if you if you are just completely absorbed into it and you can't stop and you develop a passion, then spend the money on better equipment. Um, the next step up is prosumer equipment. And prosumer equipment is, uh, you know, it's kind of a made-up term, really. I mean, really what you're saying is you're buying a, um, oh, how do you say, like a, um, a camera that's made for you could technically call it a professional cam camera, but it's it's marketed more so towards you know hobbyists. 
Uh, yeah, you don't need a, deg- a degree yeah. to operate it, or you don't have to watch YouTube for a whole year to figure it out. No, but it, but the quality is superior. Um, yeah. And, you know, typically I'm thinking anywhere from, say, $1,000 to $2,000 for the camera. Um, here's what I, I'm filming. I'm filming with prosumer stuff right now because Chase Nation's not designed to make money. We have absolutely zero income for our production. So I'm not making money or getting sponsored by a camera uh, company here to, to so everything comes out of pocket so i'm not gonna and i'm, I'm not gonna go spend a ton of money on it but i want to spend enough money that my production quality is is uh high res and um and is easy on the eyes so anything between say a grand and two grand is in my price range so i bought the sony ax100 fdr ax100 and that's a camcorder and I think, and it's 4K, and I think that Sony is probably one of the best, if not the best, uh, professional camcorder uh, brand on the on the market. Um, that's personal opinion. So that you know, right around $1,500 um, for for the camera itself, the, for the camcorder, and then for the you got to buy a hot shoe. Well, it's got a hot shoe on it, but I have a scorpion handle on it. So that's another accessory. So scorpion handle is like a, a bracket that you mount the camera on top of um, that sits flat on the ground so you can set it down easily. But it's got this scorpion tail style handle that goes up over the camera and that's easy to hold on to. Then you got to buy a hot shoe to mount on top of that. And then that hot shoe, it might be a foreign word to most, but a hot shoe is something to um, plug accessories, HDMI. Like a uh, mic? You know like a mic or another screen. So like if I wanted to have another LCD screen, I could mount mm-hmm. it to a hot shoe. Yep. And then um, the mic itself, the shotgun mic. I mean, audio is really important. If you want to find out uh, how fast people will like, and so here's the thing. If you, if you decide to go through like YouTube, for example, and you create a YouTube channel and you post your, your videos and you'll be able to look at your stats. And if you pay attention to, so views are one thing. So it might say you had 10,000 views in one week. That's cool. Well, if you go look at your stats and you see that the average watch time is like 60 seconds, you know, a minute, that's your not Your audio cool. quality is garbage. Yeah. And it's probably because your audio quality is totally garbage. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't have good audio, people aren't going to watch it, period. It's just hard to watch. So I spend a lot on that. So my, my shotgun mic is a Rode. Um, but that road is almost $400. And then that in itself doesn't catch really whispering in the tree stand. You're hunting, so you're whispering a lot, and you're not always immediately in front of the camera. So sometimes it's really hard to pick up on that. So you have to be either really, really good with audio levels on your editing software, or you get lavalier mics, wireless lavalier mics. Like when I was filming with Whitetail Adrenaline, we had um, – these lav mics that, you know, they clip onto your shirt and the wire goes down inside of your shirt and then you've got this battery pack uh, and antenna in your pocket. And then that, like, signal pings off of the main cameraman who's got a headset on and can hear everything you're whispering. You know, so that's, that. like, I know that they wear a lot of times the, the guys from the hunting public have lav mics because they're whispering and okay. they're on the ground. And, and So that's why you can hear say when Zach is on the ground 20 feet or 20 yards in front of the cameraman and he's crouching and he's whispering, you can hear him clear as day. So that's coming from a lav mic. 
Okay, so a good one of those is going to run you about five hundred dollars. Um, that's that's for like a set of two, and you get it in one. You know, you, you make one purchase for like five hundred bucks, and you get two. Kind of and build then, on it. So one. Oh yeah, yeah, battery. battery. And then and then if you think that's where it ends, well, guess what? High quality cameras require high quality SD cards. So in order to film with a 4K or a, you know high res 1080p camera, um, you know you got to have a excellent SD card. A 64 bit cam, um, 64 meg uh, card. I'm sorry, 64 gig card is going to run you right around 100 and 128 bucks or something like that. And if you want to buy a uh, um, 128 gig card, you're looking at, you know, 150, 160 bucks for the right card. You can find deals. Sometimes some guys will find them for cheap. I get a kick out of when, when somebody says, yeah, you're an idiot. You paid all that money for that card. Look what I got. Well, I tell you what, you can come over sometime and put that card in with your footage from the same camera and we'll compare differences. I'll show you, I'll show you the audio level differences. I'll show you the frame rates, everything, and how it processes, wow. there is a dramatic difference. So so you really, you spend 1500 bucks on a camera and then another grand on accessories. So you're at like $2,500. It's expensive. Then you got to buy your tree arm. You know, and Fourth Arrow is really one of my favorites. And Fourth Arrow does a really good job. I'm not sponsored by those guys to talk about them, but I'll just say that, you know, they've got a carbon arm and a stiff arm. They've even got a three-elbow uh, stiff arm. I like I have a hunting beast uh, arm from Dan Infault that's got three elbows. I loved that arm for the longest time, but you know uh, there's better. I mean there's there's other stuff out there now that that I like more. And the fourth arrow's got the three arms. The nice thing about that is you can wrap around the tree and you can wrap around the hunter because you've got all these elbows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, sure. You can even buy extensions. And the, and the thing to consider there is, like, you know, everybody likes carbon fiber because it looks cool. But here's the thing about carbon fiber. If you buy a carbon fiber arm, you better have a camera that's light enough for that arm to support it. Um, because, you know, it's really meant for a handicam. The fourth, arrow, the fourth arrow carbon fiber arm is a really awesome camera arm, but it is not meant to support the weight of a heavy professional camcorder or a DSLR. And I've got, you know, guys on Chase Nation that use them with those cameras. And their footage turns out. I'm not saying that they're not going to, it's not going to work. But what I am saying is when you, when you're, especially when you're self-filming and there's a deer coming and you have very few seconds to adapt to that circumstance and you need to swivel that camera around quick, if you've got that carbon arm and you've got a heavy camera that's like four or five pounds, and you stop dead because you got the, the deer in frame now, and now you got to focus on hooking up to your D-loops so you can draw back on them and then mouth throw them to stop and shoot them in the frame. It's all happening so fast. Well, guess what? Your camera, if it weighs that much on that carbon fiber arm, is going to be shaky. It's going to bounce, and I can promise that. It might not always happen, but it happens, enough so that if you really want to just steer clear, you buy the stiff arm. It's a little bit more expensive, not much. Uh, it's not as cool looking as a carbon fiber arm, but it's heavy duty. And it's made for heavier camera equipment, and it's ideal. Um, so those are some like tips and, and whatnot to somebody that's thinking about getting into filming their hunts. If you truly are thinking about getting into it, that's 
that's what it takes to do like the you know semi-professional production quality material. But if you're filming for just you and your family, uh, Sony Handycam works great. You don't have to worry about people criticizing your production because you know quality's not there. It's up to you. Just go spend a couple hundred bucks and see if you like it. And if you do, then make the decision if you want to upgrade. That's really what it comes down to. And if you're doing all this stuff, I mean, is it worth saying, you know, get a hold of you, Sam, and and see if um, their stuff is good enough to make it onto Chase Nation? Like, what are your requirements to have people submit footage? Okay, so Chase Nation, we have a a, a, a team. So Chase Nation, we we don't it's not like a submit your footage and then I'll produce it. a giant flex. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I've got a team of guys, um, that are part of the chase nation family. I mean, we are literally like a family. Um, and, uh, I did reach out recently to a perfect stranger who posted a clip on Facebook of himself shooting a buck on film in the winter. I mean, it was amazing footage. And I was like, what are you doing with that? Because, I'll produce it for you. I've never done that for somebody, but I'd be happy to, you know, if you've got enough footage to tell a story, I'd be happy to produce that for you because I'm just obsessed with the sexiness of that footage. It's just so cool looking as a great deer and everything was just done right. Well, he never called I mean, He's like, cool, let me think about it, but he never got back to me. And so, so goes that. But, uh, I've, I, we don't, I mean, I've had a lot of folks reach out and want to submit footage. I just don't, have the time it's not that i don't want to do it it's just that like i'm a normal dude that's not getting paid to do it and i just i love doing it i just I'm, i can't afford the time you know what yeah, I mean? there's a fine line there even if you were then it would beg the question if it's really something you want to be doing all the time but if you had all the time to do it i'm sure you would probably have a hard time stopping you know like oh, oh yeah let's do more and more and more oh, yeah. time with this stuff i'm I mean, the I same way dude. if i could do this radio show every day i would <laughs> Right. People send stuff in. I love watching it or if they, they, you know, but, but I tell them, you know, I mean, we get, we get messages like that every week. Um, and, but as far as if you've got questions on camera gear or anything related to this kind of stuff, man, shoot me a message. If you could find one person that says that they've sent me or Chase Nation a private message that I have not responded to within that day or two days, uh, I would be impressed because I really am trying my best to be diligent about response time. Uh, and, I, and I'm and i not going to just one-word answer you either, buddies. I, I, I swear I really do take my time to write a, a thorough response because I, I genuinely I, – I, I'm not out there to – this isn't for namesake. This is not to become popular. This isn't to make money. This is just for passion. And so I'm genuinely passionate about this topic, and if you have questions on it, I'll, I'll talk your ear off. I'll get buried up in the weeds like, you know, like a crankbait in two feet of water ripping through a, a you know, mill pond, really. I will, I, will, I, will, I will talk your ear off about the topic. So feel free to reach out to me, and I'll do my best to get back to you and answer any questions I can sure. in the right direction. Well, so we'll we'll wrap up, but before we do, I, Scott, Scott, I'm gonna bash the your last name. I bash everyone's, all my guests, and yours is a doozy. Um, Scott Hopper Ditzel, excuse me, that's wrong, bad. But his question was, could you talk about uh, the editing software a little bit? Um, he loves the. Yep, he said so. the camera advice is spot on, so he wanted to just get your take on that. It sounds like. No, absolutely. I'm totally game for that. So. Um, 
there's a bunch of options out there. I don't know if, if uh, Scott, if you're uh, an Apple or a uh, Windows guy. I'm an Apple guy. So um, I've got a iMac. It's a 27-inch monitor. And then I'm hooked up to a 50-inch plasma um, with surround in, in my office. And um, I'm using Final Cut Pro X is the software that I use. Um, if you're a Windows guy, Adobe Premiere is uh, an affordable option, and it's and it's fantastic. Um, yeah, that's what I use. But um, I, I used to use Premiere, but I'm so far from it now that because I've been using Final Cut for so long that I can only speak intelligently about Final Cut Pro X. But if uh, if you are an Apple guy or or gal and you want to get into editing, uh, Final Cut Pro X is user friendly. I'll tell you, I'm I'm not pro at it yet. I'm getting pretty good at it. Um, and really, what it comes down to is, you know, you're on the computer already. So if you've got like a, a specific thing in mind, like you, you know, what what I do is, and a lot of the guys on my team do is, well, you know, not for production but for filming. Like we'll watch back, you know, we'll share on our private staff page. We'll share benchmarks. Like Donnie Vincent, um, I'm obsessed with his production quality. I love how he does his stuff. So we'll share stuff like that and kind of benchmark ideas, um, how to get, you know, different camera angles and different shots and that kind of thing to give us ideas. Well, I, I use the same thing personally to give myself ideas for editing, you know, for production purposes. And when I do that, a lot of times um, I'll just do a quick Google search like, man, there's nothing obvious on here that's real intuitive. Like, how do I do this certain transition? How do I fade? Like, okay, um. I'm on screen and I'm talking about a memory, so I kind of want to fade from like the interview of me talking to this scene that I'm I'm reflecting on, but then I want to fade back in without completely going to one clip or the next. So you kind of understand what I mean. You're kind of melding the two the two uh, clips together. Yep. Where yep. it's kind of semi-transparent. I didn't know how to do that because it, it's it's a little bit challenging. So I had to Google search it, and then I got, like, step-by-step instructions. I did it, like, two or three times, and now I can do it in my sleep. Um, but Final Cut Pro X is really my, handy. Uh, and I'll say this. That's, I'll say that's good to hear. So, like, I, I was going to say – Yeah. Uh, I was going to say real quick, um, you kind of to your point when people were asking earlier – um, or we were talking about earlier, like, make sure you have your why figured out before you even buy your camera. Make sure you know why you're doing it or what you're going to be doing so you can buy the right equipment to match that. Um, when you're doing filming and, and editing uh, posts, like, I, I don't I don't film hunts, right, but I've I, I've taken some college courses on, on how to do post-video production um, for my graphic design degree. And the one thing I'll say there that's congruent with what we talked about earlier about Sam being a storyteller is that um, – you know, a lot of these programs, whether it's Final Cut, which I don't know anything about, but I do know a little bit about Adobe Premiere and After Effects, is there's a lot of preset effects built in for things like transitions. You talked about the fade out and fade in. Um, there's some clever ways you can do that by YouTubing and Googling, et cetera. But don't get too caught up into that stuff. Get your story down first. And and what I would add a little bit more to is um, before you even get into those programs, learn how to organize your footage and label your footage. Because if you get into those programs and everything's video 008 and 00456, and you're going you're gonna to start to go crazy pretty quick. 
So a good labeling and folder structure, labeling convention and folder structure is actually super, super, super important. That was the first lesson that we that we got taught in college about how to edit film. Um, so you can set yourself up for success that way. So when you're in there, you're not bumbling around um, as much. And you can do it that way. That's fine. But you're going to learn pretty quick that you're going to make your life a lot harder for yourself. It's it's something I super I really appreciate is when um, any of the guys from Chase Nation, they send me their footage and it's in chronological order. Everything is date and time stamped, but sometimes they're making a copy of a file, and when they make a copy of a file, it'll date and time stamp it that date and time rather than, like if they change the file name or something, rather than the original um, captured date and time. And when that happens, it can get kind of messy because I'm not sure what happened before what. And I, and I don't want to tell somebody's story wrong. I mean, these guys are sending me a ton of clips, and they want me to paint this picture this this put this story together for him but i wasn't there yeah, you got to watch it all and then sometimes there's like hours there like then then you got to almost do a storyboard you know like just do some quick storyboarding if you don't know what that is spend a minute googling it and youtubing it and and you're going to find that again if you lump your footage into the various storyboard pieces that you have you might just make your life a little bit easier that's my advice about anyways you know hunting or not storyboarding for 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 me putting an episode together is really um the beginning, middle, and end. In the the beginning, yep. it's usually accessing the stand. Middle is usually B-roll, and the end is usually like the final, the shot on the animal and the recovery. Um, you know, and then and then sometimes what I really like is when the guys, because in order to really tell a full story, you you don't even. You, it's not that you just share yourself getting out to the spot, but it's the hunt, the shot, and then getting out. Sometimes the out part is the part that's forgotten in film especially when you're one of these grinders that goes deep into the swamps and whatever and what it takes to get out like that showing showcasing that really wraps the story together well so that's that's really storyboarding and when it comes to like cutting film i'll tell you so like i've got i've got probably what 16 hours of raw footage to go through and um, I've got to cut that down to 12 to 15 minutes for this next episode. That's kind of what my ideal time frame is for an episode is 12 to 15 minutes. Now, sometimes I get way less footage than I would love to have, and then I'll wind up with an 8 or 10-minute episode. Sometimes I have so much, but I can't bring myself not to include it, so I'll have a 20- or 25-minute episode. Um, but, like, this Tyler Brooks hunt that I'm about to start producing, I, I'm, I'm game planning 12 to 15 minutes, and I've got like 16 hours of footage to go through. So what I'll do is I'll run, I'll scrape it real fast. I mean, I don't even watch it like real time. I'll sometimes just like scrub through it. I'm watching my audio levels to see like I can kind of by now tell when I'm watching my audio levels if the person's talking or if like there's an of noise like say a clink like uh his release hit the um climbing <laughs> stick and it made a ping sound i can tell what that is or a shot i yep. can tell what that is by the audio levels so I'll, I'll scrape it and i'll watch what's happening and look at the audio levels and tell when i need to slow down and actually listen and then i gotta cut those clips and i cut 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 and i'll spend the first two days probably about mm, eight to ten hours cutting those 16 hours into you know, anywhere from three-second to minute-long clips. And then I'll place them all into my queue, 
uh, or and then I'll uh, or my cache, and then I'll go in. I'll start editing, and I know right where to grab from. I've got my storyboard put together, so I know that all of these over here and the top are going to be, you know, the first third is going to be, you know, intro, and then the middle and the end. And that's how you start putting it together. Um, and you know, and you really got to be careful with music too. I know a lot of guys, and myself included. I used to be over like way over the top with music. Like I would I would put way too much music into my production and and you know, admittedly I didn't want to spend a lot of money, so I was getting some cinematic music, but it was super cheesy like you know, orchestra <laughs> stuff that is you know, not not everybody's where, where, style or whatever. Let me ask you a question right there real quick. So there's there's a couple places and it's been a long time since I was in the video editing world but back then it was freemusicarchive.org and then uh, Musicbed was kind of interesting, not cheap but um, very very custom. Uh, do you can you can you talk about maybe where you're getting that? And I asked a lot of buddy that played guitar that would send me stuff like the intro for this podcast comes from a buddy that recorded it for me. Um, you know I, I get a lot of I got a lot of my right. music from Epidemic. Epidemic Sound okay. is a royalty-free website. Um, I've got a couple other subscriptions. They're usually from anywhere. They're usually around a hundred dollars for the year. So you know they're Again, not free. Fun. You have to pay, yeah. you have to pay for the subscription, right? Um, but then you know you get the royalty-free music. Now I'll tell you this: if you're on YouTube, YouTube doesn't know that, and they're going to send you messages all the time, like, "Hey, we got a copyright complaint." I followed up with when we were on on YouTube. I was always like offended when I got those messages, so I'd always follow up with YouTube and be like, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight this one. Like I paid for the rights to that music and it's royalty free. Here's my username. Here's my uh, um, the website. You know, and this is the name of the song. And everything that I contested, you know, I was given the go ahead to use. Um, oh, wow, that's kind of so, cool. Well, because YouTube has a built-in scraping tool, and you know, it's it's not perfect. Doesn't well, mean the, that it's good for them to be over aggressive than than not. I mean, but that's neither here nor there. Right, right. Um, but but so no matter where you get royalty-free music from, you're gonna run into that. But it's royalty-free, and you've got the credentials to back it up. You're you're good to go. If you can get somebody like Brad Rowinski to play music for you. Uh, that's awesome. We've got one episode where Doc Tucker is turkey hunting, and you know he settled a deal with a, uh, a group down in Tennessee, um, you know, to to use their music, and we use their music for one episode, and it's phenomenal. You know, it's it's good for them, it's good for us. But anyways, yeah, I hope a- I answered those questions. If there was a specific editing or production question, uh, let me know now before we get off the line. Otherwise, yeah, I use Final Cut Pro X, and Google is a real helpful tool. But, I mean, a lot of that stuff's pretty intuitive. Um, you just need to basically go ahead, you know, buy the software. It's about three or 400 bucks for Final Cut Pro X for the latest version. And you just need to play around with it and spend time. I mean, I'm, I'm seven years now uh, working with Final Cut Pro X, uh, so, you know, I started pretty bad. I got a little better, and I'm pretty dangerous with it, but I'm still nowhere near as good as I, I will be probably in another five or ten years. So, 
I'll I'll add that you know for for the Adobe product I do the the subscription I got like an alumni discount or something like that from being a, a student so it's it's a little bit more affordable I think if I didn't have it it's like fifty bucks a month but then you get access to Adobe's entire suite so on the PC side that's what I'm used to and you know they all play really really well together Adobe suite of products um, if you're using Photoshop you can dump and drag and drop a lot of times audio from um, like podcasting or whatever you can kind of create this melting pot of, of different things. So, you know, there's some benefit there, but Final Cut Pro, I've heard nothing but good things about too. And those are the two big ones. Like there's probably some other free stuff out there maybe, or some cheap stuff, but I wouldn't bother if it were me, I would just go to one of those two, depending on what kind of computer you have. Yeah. I mean, those are the ones that are affordable. Yeah. Otherwise I move you on your iPhone, right? If you're, if you're just getting started, I know plenty of people that, that just start there and if you're looking, willing to look at a screen forever. That's that small. But, um, you know, I hey, think if you're going to get the Adobe Premiere, are you on Adobe Premiere Elements or do you have the Pro CC? No, I got the Pro. So the element, I can't use the Elements. Like, it doesn't make sense to me because I know it's too hindered right. for me. So so the Adobe Premiere is really good. The, the Pro CC is good. Final Cut Pro X is the one I've got. Um, I'm trying to think of what Jared Scheffler uses from uh, Y-Tail Adrenaline. I, I know he used I to think... use Premiere. I, I know that John okay. Adams that works with him a lot uses Pro Cut. Uh, uh, cut, Final Cut Pro, and there's some other ones that I've seen and I've kind of I, I've I've not used because I owned rights to them, but like I've tinkered with them at buddies' houses. But like Corel, um, Cyberlink Power Director was one that I played with. That was pretty decent, but it was definitely trying to just imitate you know Final Cut and Premiere into one. So and it's kind of expensive, so it wasn't in my opinion the best option. Sure. Don't think Dude, I think we covered the to topic like, really well. Yeah, 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 we did. Yeah. If you want to dive back into the comments on the Facebook Live at some other point to address some of the more specific pointed questions that came through, like I didn't ask all of them, I asked, I asked a few of them. Um, thanks to Mark for calling in on this episode, appreciate that. Um, you know, Sam, what, shout out, man, shameless shout out, where can people find you and, and or Chase Nation? What's the best way? Where should they be going? Sure. Um, if you want to visit our website and see the guys and gals behind Chase Nation, um, if you visit us at www.chasenation.co, uh, that's C-O, um, and then we're on Instagram at Chase Nation TV, and then we're obviously on Facebook as Chase Nation uh, TV, and you can um, keep up with us. I mean, I'm posting constantly. Every single day we've got content going up and there's short video clips or pictures and this, that, and the other thing or contests. Um, and then please, 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 uh, if you want to visit us on uh, Carbon TV, um, the Chase Nation channel is on Carbon TV. We're exclusive with Carbon TV. So we've moved from YouTube to Carbon TV. So you can still find season one and then a few of our season two episodes on YouTube. Um, but right now we use social media, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram to showcase hype reels, uh, previews that, and this, that, and the other thing. Um, but we, we show our, our, you know, our featured episodes. Along the long form. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then you can find me, Samuel on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, the hunt more app. Um, you just, if you got questions and if you see it, if you got questions and you forget my name and you go to chase nation and you got a question, I'm the guy that's asking, uh, answering your question. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my shameless shout out. 
Right on, man. Moment in the live video. Thanks so much. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. Just make sure the last thing that I want to make sure I mention is if you ever get into this filming thing and you go ahead and buy yourself a uh, a tree arm or, you know, you get yourself a tripod, make sure you got a fluid pan head. Uh, there's one thing that I wanted to mention in this podcast, and the fluid pan head allows you to use a, um, a handle to maneuver your camera. Make sure it's a 360-degree fluid pan head pan head so you can maneuver your camera left right up and down without any shake um, because nothing's worse than poor audio and shaky footage uh, and you'll be a happy camper remember that fluid pan head great advice sweet thanks sam all right man good to talk to you tip of the week so, I don't know if you heard Sam and I discussing this, but both of us are selling our houses and trying to get into some new ones. Sounds like he's a little bit further along than I am, but Christmas is around the corner. Thanksgiving just happened. Um, because we're trying to sell the house, I've officially packed up all my hunting gear. There is not a snowball chance in hell that I will be out doing any hunting for the remainder of the season. Maybe there's a chance. But that being said, I actually, you know, I don't have a tip of the week. Um, I've been running on fumes and it's only Tuesday. It feels like it might as well be Friday trying to get all this stuff done. So really my tip of the week is, I don't know if you drink coffee or not, but I do. And uh, that's my tip is (laughs) drink coffee. Um, I got got nothing else. You know, really just uh, another note on the the topic that Sam and I covered. It's kind of cool to just try some things and... You know, my advice or tip is without having to spend a bunch of money on new equipment or even some money on used equipment, it might be good to find someone like a Sam in your life that's close to you, wherever you're at, um, that might already be doing some of that and just be like, hey, you know, can I come along or can I see how that works or can you tell me about it? Or maybe reach out to some people that you find on YouTube that are doing some of that stuff and just ask those questions if it's something that you're interested in doing. I feel like it's one of those things that I'm interested in, but you know, if I put another thing in my plate, I won't be able to handle it. And I just know that there's a lot that even goes into just the post-production and just that alone is enough to scare me away. But it's not, that's not including the battery stuff and the equipment and the camera and the lugging it out and the taking up the tree and the did it, 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 it's just, it's hats off to the, the guys and gals that do it. I know Anthony Heller, who's been on the show, does a lot of self-filmed hunts. Um, he might be a great guy to reach out to, uh, out to also, um, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, a spectrum of being fully produced like a white tail adrenaline or a chase nation or even like jim shockey kind of stuff i mean that's huge that's big time all the way to the you know the gopro kind of style and the the pov on the end of the bow or the gun so there's a lot of different ways you can kind of slice it up but um having that why is down so maybe just my tip of the week is spend some time to think about why you're doing stuff the why i do this podcast is i enjoy it i like giving back to the community i like helping others learn i love connecting with all the hunters around the country it's probably the most fun part of this is um, now that we're doing the live call-in is to hear from people around the around the state around the country from wherever that have passion for deer hunting and sharing the knowledge so anyway my big rant and if you're gonna drink coffee like i do i've been drinking the uh, backwoods grind coffee they recently got a new roaster they've been they've been posting about it on instagram and facebook and stuff and you know, the coffee is just super good. I don't only drink theirs, but I do primarily drink theirs. So 
Uh, great stuff. Anyways, that's my show for today. Thanks for tuning in. Again, ratings, reviews. Thank you. That's what I'll say. Um, have a great day, Hum Public. <laughs>